Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. I was having a little bit of technical difficulty. I don't know if I solved it or not. <laughs> anyway, I'm working on it. I was going to talk about, actually, I was doing a show earlier today, and I was talking about our series on Moses, which is actually a guy who has a Facebook account. But I'm going to change paces here, and I'm going to move over to uh, our newsletter, which we sent out last night and we actually sent out another one earlier in the week and the big item in the news today there's two actually two featured stories in our newsletter and one is this free justina i actually probably should have called it justice for justina because her name is got justice in it but she's just a little girl out there in connecticut and she had some physical problems and her folks took her to a doctor, and the doctor was supposedly fixing it, and she was out ice skating and living with her difficulties. And But she got the flu, and so she was going to go to a hospital, and so she went to another hospital. You probably heard this story. Glenn Beck was talking about it. And the father finally went public. He's been in this year-long battle with children's services there in Massachusetts because the doctor that he had put in this like stent so that she could she had a birth defect and she couldn't pass and process the food in her system and so she needed this stent so that she didn't get backed up and she could stay healthy and and it was evidently working because she was out ice skating and doing well but she got a flu, like people will get, and she went to the doctor, which I thought was kind of surprising. You run to the doctor with the flu, but maybe it was getting really bad. I don't know the details on that. But they went to their regular doctor, but he had moved to another hospital. And so they were advised to take her to this other hospital, and so they did. And their doctor wasn't in at first, and so another doctor saw it, and the other doctor just took over. Because, you know, when you sign into a hospital, you're making a covenant with the hospital, giving them power to make choices on behalf of the patient. And these are all regulated in a, in a huge mountain of rules and regulations. And those rules and regulations can absolutely overwhelm you and take control and take a life of their own because a hospital is a corporation and it's got a mind of its own and you can't ever really pin it down because they can you know it's composed of people but those people a lot of those people in a corporation don't think for themselves they look up the rules or what they think is the rules well the hospital is also connected with another corporation which we call the state and the state has bureaucracies in it, which are institutions of the state, and they have a mind of their own. And I'm not going to go through all the details of this, and I'll talk a little bit about some of the principles involved, but I have seen this. Within a couple of days, 
the new doctor that was now taking over, because they never got to see the original doctor that they came to, because this other doctor decided that the original diagnosis of the girl doesn't exist and that there was another problem, Munchausen's by proxy. And somehow these parents were over-medicating their daughter. And they may have been to some degree, but there seems to have been a real problem. They got better when they had some surgery. And, you know, I, I think that they might, you know, lay themselves on the table of the doctor too much. I don't know. I have, I'm not close enough. And you have to be careful. If you, if you want justice in your society, you have to apply the rules that have come down to us through the ages about justice. You know, we talk about a jury of your peers hearing both sides of a story. I mean, I deal all the time with somebody who people who come to me and they've had trouble with the law or they've had trouble with their spouse or whatever or their family, their brother or whatever. And they've got this horrible story of injustice. And they tell you and you think, oh, this is terrible, this is terrible, this is terrible. And they've just been beaten up so bad. But you have to remember you're hearing their side of the story. It's really easy to say, well, the government did wrong. They, you know, abused them, or their spouse did wrong and abused them, or their brother did wrong and abused them. And that may be true. But to have justice, you need to hear the other side of the story. You need to hear from witnesses. You need to have... And even then, you can be fooled. And this is why you're listening to somebody who has a voice of experience. I mean, I... I haven't gone through this, you know, my own children haven't been taken away from me or anything like that. And there's a reason for that as well. Because we homeschooled our children. We didn't go to the doctor to drop of a hat. And I'm sure there were people somewhere in the community that thought that we were abusive. Maybe even people in my own family that thought we were abusive. I remember taking the flack for, my daughter didn't want to go on an outing with, relatives but she didn't know how to say no to her cousin because her cousin was insistent no no you want to go you want and they didn't well i just don't want to go and she but she couldn't say that because they would take offense and she didn't want to give offense and I detected this when they came and they asked me. I said, well, do you want to go? Well, not really. But, you know, I knew how it is with kids. They pressure each other. And and I knew that particular cousin was a little forceful and opinionated. And so I said, you just tell her that I said you couldn't go. And now she's off the hook. She's not going. You should, well, my dad said I can't go. And she really didn't want to go. But now she doesn't have to tell her that I don't really want to go. <laughs> and there was a lot of reasons for that, but uh, we won't go into that here. You'll have to get that at a campfire talk. But in this case, she didn't want to go, and she didn't she didn't want to offend her cousin. So I told her, just told the cousin that I said you couldn't go. Well, I know there was flack that was floating around that oh, you know, Gregory doesn't let her, their kids do anything. <laughs> All kinds of things, which is not true. They do all kinds of things. But I wasn't going to let them do this. 
because they didn't want to do it, but I said, I'll take the flack. I actually said that. I knew this is what's going on. I, you know, I know how people think. And so I become the bad guy, the ogre. But I, I'll take it. I can carry the weight. But the reality is there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes of every relationship that you don't necessarily see. And the individual telling you the story doesn't see. They see the story unfolding from their point of view. And it won't be 100% true or correct. And so how do you know how this works? How do you know what is really happening? Well, you should take the time to hear the other sides of the story, the other versions. There's an old Chinese story that's been done in the movies where, you know, there's these robbers that come on, a priest and uh, and some civilians, and uh, there's a whole chain of events in the story, and and you hear the same story from the point of view of the robber and the point of view of the priest and the point of view of the civilians. And it's a completely different story every time you hear it. It's not the same story. They tell it, each one in their own version. And so what's the truth? And you have to understand that. Now, is the truth going to come out of the mouth of men? All men are liars, according to the Bible. So how do you know what the truth is? There's a spiritual reality to the truth. And then there is what we present. What we present through the physical words and and explanations of the truth. And then we can form a personal opinion of what the truth is. But the result of that is picking from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're plucking from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil what is true. And then you yourself are playing God and calculating it up. That is not the approach. We think those of you who actually know that a jury should decide fact and law and they should get listen to both sides, you get to that point where you understand that we read a story in the paper and we've come to a conclusion and we've only heard one side, the paper side. They may not have presented the truth on either individual. At least nowadays we can actually see interviews, live interviews of people and hear out of their own mouth. In this particular case, the father is not getting in a position of talking with the hospital and children's services because they won't talk. So he, we hear his side. And he's, he's trying within his capacity to tell the truth. And he's presenting it as he sees it. And if he's absolutely not overtly deceiving us, he actually believes what he's saying is true, he will sound sincere, like he's not covering anything up. And a lot of people think, well, there must be something else going on here because this just couldn't happen. Voice of experience, it does happen. Why does it happen? It happens because most of you people out there who say you're Christians and that you believe in Jesus, 
you don't actually believe in Jesus and you're not actually Christians. That's why it happens. Because if you were really Christians, these things wouldn't be happening with the frequency that they have. And, you know, this is a big story now because, you know, Glenn Beck, once he said it, then Fox has to talk about it and everybody else, you know. But the father's been under a gag order, and we'll cover a lot of this stuff. But we're covering this as a theme of the show so that we can actually really get down to the nitty-gritty and address the real problem in our personal relationships with each other. As a people, as a society, as a nation, as a world of nations. Because this this show will be heard all over. So what is really going on here? What is really happening? Where is the real power? And how come we are not getting justice for Justina? Why is this happening? Why is she? Because now she's been in the hospital, in case you haven't heard the story. You can read this story and see all kinds of links, and we have videos up on our preparingyou.com slash wiki slash free Justina. And if you get, if you find preparingyou.com, just type in, in the search engine free Justina, and you'll find the page. And you can watch the videos. And you can go to podcasts, interviews, and you can go to stories that tell you about what's happened. What happened was that some doctor, early young doctor, decided that she didn't have the problems that other doctors, genius doctors, had diagnosed. Now, did she have it or not? Well, that hospital that they went to, hired the doctors who thought she did and performed the surgery that allowed her to go around ice skating and and lead a fairly normal life. But this other doctor decided that disease doesn't exist. You know, there have been people who've died from it and diagnosed and it's been around and there's whole groups of doctors who say the disease does exist. This other doctor says it's Munchausen's by proxy. It's all in her head. And they think that she needs to be medicated with a drug that they're promoting. And so they're not going to let her go back to her parents. They're not going to let her go back to the hospital, Huff's Hospital in Connecticut. They're going to keep her despite what the parents want to do. Now, these aren't parents who say we don't want our daughter treated. We want our daughter treated by people who were having success. You're not having success. As a matter of fact, you seem to be causing problems and stress to our daughter. You're not solving any problems. You seem to be making them worse. We want to go back to the other licensed doctors and the other hospital in our own state But now they won't let you go. Massachusetts is keeping a Connecticut resident prisoner in their hospital because their children's services, CDF, I think they call themselves children, no, DCF or something, 
I've got it here somewhere. I used to have it on the front page of somebody's reorganized the page. So DCF. And they, DCF in Massachusetts, is going to keep her in this hospital. And these doctors in this hospital are going to treat her the way they want. And the doctor who performed the original surgery that helped her isn't allowed to see her, even though he's in that hospital. And when he goes to see her, DCF grabs him and says he can't go see her. And this is the doctor who performed surgery on this girl, not charged with anything. The parents aren't charged with anything. No court is really looking at any criminal activity. The only real criminal activity is legal activity done by the hospital and children's services who have kidnapped this child away from the, uh, the, the parents, taking her off of her pain medication. Well, I don't know whether she needed it or not, but according to the stent that it in causes pain, and she can't have that anymore. They took her off her heart medication because she had runaway heart. And they put her in a psych ward because they think that the fact that she cannot process food is all in her head. Now, I know there have been people who could not process food because they had cartilage around things like their duodenum or part of their intestine, and the food simply would not pass through. There was a restriction there. And it was physically removed by surgery, and they got better, and everything was okay after that. And this girl had some of it removed, but she still needed, she still was having trouble processing. Now, maybe somebody botched the surgery. I don't know. Nobody's accused of anybody of having done that. There isn't any charges anyway. No court of law is examining that. But the point is she can't process food, so she needed to be literally what they call irrigated so that she could pass this food out of her colon. Because, I mean, the other, the extreme alternative was to remove the colon and end up with a colostomy bag. But they didn't go that way. But she needs help from time to time, or she can't eat. She can't keep food down because it isn't passing through her. And these guys say no. They would let it go for days, and she doesn't get help. They make her sit on the toilet for hours and tell her that this is all in her head. And she is physically, this woman had undergone major surgery. How do they, her doctors say she can't, her original doctor says she needs help. The new doctor says she's crazy. Even though there's been physical major surgery on her. They have decided they are the gods of this girl. Well, now the girl's in a wheelchair. Now the girl can't hardly use the lower part of her body. She's undergone such trauma in the hands of her kidnappers. I mean, what's the difference? I mean, legally, she's kidnapped. You, now, they won't... FBI's been informed. Oh, they don't know what they want... You know, there is a huge number of state representatives and senators that want to replace the head of DCF. I think it's Department of Children and Family. That's what that's called. Um, and that wants to remove the head of that in Massachusetts. But the governor won't do it. 
the governor is resisting. Now, probably something will happen eventually, but the father feared that her his daughter might literally die. He he was, from his opinion, her gums were receding, her hair was falling out. She was she was clearly in a wheelchair. You get pictures of her on a website of her in the wheelchair and not ice skating anymore. Kept from her parents. You know, she isn't allowed her parents to come and visit her. Except for, you know, control visits, very short period of time once a week. And phone calls, like 20 minutes. Completely isolated in this way. She has sisters that have had the same, oh, at least one sister had the same problem. But didn't, wasn't as extreme in the other sister. This is not, you know, the, the laws that say, and, and they passed, and I saw them passed, you know, I have memory where I can remember where they were passed in Oregon, where if a child is an immediate threat or in danger, you know, like this is a parent who beats the child to death, you know, this is a serious threat to the child, they don't need a court order to grab that child away. And I've told stories, you can go back in our own community here back almost a 100 years ago and not quite a hundred years ago because actually this child is still alive and actually you know I think she's passed away now but anyway uh, the child was being abused by her father locked in a little tiny closet every time she was bad and dark and crying all night and I could that a neighbor walked over and went into the walked into the house He's big enough to do it, walked in the house, opened up the little closet and took the child out and took him over took her over to her his house. Was not gonna let this child be abused anymore. And the parents left town. No court order, no jury, nothing. They just left town. They just left the daughter behind and they didn't like her anyway. Amazing. But somebody stood up for justice and it worked. Now, today, you have juries that don't even think. You have judges that don't even follow through. This girl is being crippled and tortured and abused and, and stolen from her family, but it's legal. And it's legal because you've given too much power. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're talking about this situation with Justina, and I'm still trying to figure out technical difficulties. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we'll solve what we can solve when we can solve it. Uh, the uh, The point is now dealing with this uh, situation, and like I said, I've seen this with dozens of times, personal experience, hundreds of times over the years where Children's Services has too much power. And they were given this power because people said they wanted, they have this tendency in themselves to look for somebody to solve the problem. They see something's bad and they say, oh, let's give power to somebody to fix this. And the fact is, it's your job to fix it. It's not your job to give the power to somebody else. It's your job to participate and fix it. But we have come to this mindset in America and the world today that government is to solve the problem. And so we give government more and more power to solve the problem. And we do government a disservice 
And in our series on the Saul syndrome, we, sh- we talk about this. Saul was a great guy until the people gave him power beyond what he should have. People did not retain their responsibility, and they gave him power. And now he has the right to rule over the people. This is what they did. They gave the power to Saul to rule over the people, and they were warned what would happen. He would take and take and take and take. He would take your sons, and he would take your daughters. And this is what's happened. You've given power to the Department of Children and Family in Massachusetts, and you've done it in Oregon, you've done it, you know, whatever they call it. They actually changed their initials from time to time to time. Children's services is what we used to call it. But you've given them too much power. And there are probably some great people that work there. And they do a pretty good job. Children's services in Massachusetts have lost children. Children have died in their custody. Same in Oregon. Registered sex offenders were actually in Oregon working, taking care of children. In Oregon, people who had been captured trying to steal children in Mexico ended up working at children's services in Oregon and stole children in Oregon. Now, they don't pick on the family who's got lots of money and a good lawyer and all this stuff. They pick on the family the weak. And this is the way it works in Sharkdom. They they pick on families that have problems, emotional, relational, maybe even some moral problems, but they're still the parents. They'll pick on them, and they will destroy them. They will eat them alive while you're singing in church. I've seen it. I've seen some of those parents rise to occasion. They like to pick on single moms. In California, I've seen it. Kansas, I've seen it. Missouri, I've seen it. This is rampant. The stories are rampant. And children are abused and, and, and emotionally devastated. You know, one of the people I've seen just emotionally devastate an individual was a psychologist. Actually, as I'm mentioning that, I'm flashing on several psychologists in different states. Terrible people. Horrible people. All psychologists that way? No. But the ones you get power rise to the situation of power. And they destroy lives. They have crazy, crazy ideas. And it's become rampant, the crazy ideas that they have. And I don't know what to to tell you other than to stop. Stop with these crazy ideas. Stop with this idea of giving power to agencies to solve the problem and actually start having Real religious services. Remember, religion. We define this. I should do this every show. Yeah, I welcome you to the keys to the kingdom. 
Religion is how you perform your duty to God and your fellow man. That's the def- When you hear the word religion here in a positive sense, that's the definition we're using. We're not going to use the definition you commonly use, which you think religion is what you think about God, because that's what you'll see in the dictionaries when you look it up today. That's not what was in the dictionaries when you looked it up at the time of the writing of the Constitution. That's not the definition of religion in the Bible. The definition of the religion in the Bible is much like the definition of religion in the early days of America, the the main definition, which was performance of your duty to God and your fellow man. How you provided for the specific welfare of the individuals in your community. And if you do this according to the religion of Christ, or the religion of Moses, or the religion of Abraham, you do this by faith, hope, and charity. And there is absolutely no way that I have seen that you can do that without gathering together. There is absolutely no way you can do that without free will offerings on a regular basis to ministers of your choice to perform the specific welfare of society. You have to do it like the heart pumping blood in a body. You have to contribute to the welfare of somebody else other than yourself. You have to cast your bread upon the waters on a regular basis to whoever you choose, whoever you see providing for the specific welfare of members of society. You have to pick the one that is going to do that in your free assembly. And then you have to give to them on a regular basis. The more you give, the better. Unless they're not doing the job. Now, is DCF doing the job? They took a girl who was ice skating, and they've got her now successfully in a wheelchair, sometimes going days without passing a bowel, uh, screaming at her, terrifying her. And we're not talking about a five-year-old here. We're not talking about a eight-year-old here. We're not talking about a ten-year-old here. We're talking about a girl who is old enough and capable of saying, I am not happy with you. I'm happy with my parents. When I'm with my parents, I end up functioning. Now that I'm with you, I'm living in terror. She's not allowed visitors like other people. She's not allowed communication with other people. You should be able to get a newsman in there and interview her. Say, what would you like to do? She's actually has to secret messages out to her parents written on scraps of paper which she has folded into origami so that the nurses and DCF doesn't know she is communicating with her parents who she loves and who love her in whatever capacity they understand. They are trying. The father now has risked everything because he was under orders from the court not to go public. 
while his daughter is kept from him for over a year and is being debilitated and injured and made unhappy by those who the courts left her in the control of. They came out with a big story last month about, oh, she's going to be released to another clinic. Hospital is finally going to release her to another clinic. They released her to an outpatient for mentally ill people, but she's not necessarily mentally ill. I mean, I think we're all a little mentally ill, or this wouldn't be happening. But that facilities does not take patients in wheelchairs. They do not take patients who need to have their bowels irrigated every so often. They do not take people with medical problems. They are not that kind of facility. They would reject you, except for Children's Services has so much power. Now, Children's Services is talking about moving her again to what they call the ranch for, you know, it's like an asylum. Why don't they give her back to Connecticut Children's Services? At least, I think, in Connecticut Children's Services, at least at this stage in the game, they'll let her go back to the original doctors and get the, tra- uh, the, the treatment that was allowing her to walk around and function as a young adult. Now, I'm, you're, ta- you're listening to a guy who does not go to the doctor hardly ever. And... Uh, I, I don't believe in a lot of the th- offers of modern medicine. I think there's a lot of alternatives out there that is not run by pharmaceutical industry that are better for you and better solutions for you than what you're going to get at a doctor's office. But whatever she's getting from children's services in the hospital that is holding her captive isn't working. And it's against the wishes of her It's against the wishes of her parents, who, when she was in the custody of her parents, it was working. I personally think that there's other other alternatives better, but the father thought his daughter was, she could literally die. And so he spoke up, and and immediately the hospital, who really doesn't have hardly any defense, I've seen how this works. You you can, you know, I can be in a room, you know, 100 feet away from th- this kind of people that you're dealing with there. And I, I can I can sense that spirit in them. Now, you know, we're talking metaphysical here, so, you know, where's my proof? I tell you stories till the cows come home about the proof. I've seen it. You, you can... If you start walking in the spirit, this is what those parents needed to learn before they went to the hospital. And maybe if they had done that, they wouldn't even gone to the hospital. But they didn't see this coming. They were ill-prepared. They were going up against the beast once he was in that hospital. They were they were doing everything. Doctor said, we're going to try a new approach. Okay, doctor, let me hop up on your table. That was their attitude. Cooperate with organized medicine and I throw myself on their altar. That was their attitude. That was a mistake. Doesn't mean they should have their daughter taken away from them, but that's what ended up happening. When they saw that these medical practitioners 
were starting to injure their daughter, make their daughter's life miserable and not fixing the problem and actually, from what they could see, misidentifying the problem. They wanted to go back to the other licensed professionals. They were not allowed to do it. And the other licensed professionals who that hospital thinks are great and geniuses wouldn't allow those geniuses to see her anymore. What 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 happened here? He saw the beast nature in DCF and in the hospital's administrative staff and in this doctor who was saying that diseases that clearly do exist don't exist and only the diseases he's trained in, in resolving, you know, this vain individual is going to solve everything. And it's not, but he's not going to admit it. You know, where, where is he going to say, you know, I really screwed up. I just, you know, fresh out of residency and, you know, I thought that this, because it had the signs. He saw the signs of Munchausen by proxy. But he didn't sit down and consult with the doctors who originally helped her. He just decided on his own, we're going to go another way, because I had the power. He had the soul syndrome. Somebody gave him power, and he was going to run with it. And he, he'll even kill David <laughs> with a spear if he could get away with it. So, you know, they've equated this, this father as, you know, David and Goliath. And to some degree it's true, but... He needs to, what did David do? David did not put on the armor of his brothers or of Saul. He didn't put on that armor. He put on another armor. And this is the problem. That father didn't have the right armor on. And maybe, maybe this was meant to happen so that some of you might wake up and realize that Justina is not just his daughter. Justina is your daughter. Justina is your daughter. You must think of it as that way. And they are abusing your daughter. What are you going to do about it? You see, you have to care about his daughter as much as you care about your daughter. If you're going to claim to be a Christian, I shouldn't have to tell you that. So you should want to do something about this. Now, what do you do? You pick some, pick some idea out of the knowledge of good and evil? You're going to have to pray about this. And one of the ways to pray about this is to read about it, to think about it, to ponder it. And when you read the information presented, ponder about it. Don't ask another reporter, although you can do that. I mean, where is the real answer going to come from? real answer is going to come from God, not because you're really good at studying every single report out there and you've looked at all the videos and you've listened to all the audios and you've looked up the law and you can do all that stuff, but the answer is going to come because you realize that you don't have the answer. Flesh and blood does not reveal the answer. God does. God in this, from this other mysterious spiritual realm 
is the power here. If we would let that power manifest itself, you literally could walk in there, take a hold of her wheelchair, and walk out. And no man would lay hands on you if you would do that with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you can't imagine the power of the Holy Spirit. It lifts it where it wills. You have to have that power with you. If you really had that power with you, and this is how far it can go, you could walk in there and lay hands on her. And she would get up and walk out without the wheelchair. But you don't have that power. Because you have not put on the full armor of God. Because you have not yet repented. Because you still look to men who exercise authority to provide you with your social welfare. And because you don't care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. You care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. Then why are you not tithing every week to a minister to provide the social welfare of your society and assembly and assembly of assemblies through faith, hope, and charity. How come you're not doing that? Because you're not following the ways of Christ. When I say tithe, I mean ten families get together, pick a minister, the best servant amongst you. And that servant does what? Provides according to the means that you give him or her for the welfare of your ten-family group. Plus, equal equal time must be dedicated to all other congregations. So there are nine other congregations, like himself, because he's in a group of ten as well, and he has to spend half his time concerned with those other nine congregations and what they need. Now, some of them are going to need more than others because that's just the way life is. You know, in the last show I was talking about uh, Moshe, who we will have a, a series of show, shows, conversations with Moshe, Moses. And uh, I, I brought up the fact that back in uh, around 500 A.D., something took place on this planet. There wasn't a summer. There just, just wasn't a summer. I mean, the winter just went right through. And the, and the sky darkened. I mean, the sun barely could give its light. The moon changed color. For over a year, this went on. Millions of people around the world starved to death. People were eating people. In, in some provinces of China, 80% of the people died out. They starved. No food. Now, I don't care if your VCR works or your DVD works or your your cell phone works or your your what is it, your BlackBerry. <laughs> I was going to say gooseberry. Uh, works or whatever, um, if there ain't no food, you're in trouble. You think it's bad because you can't get cell reception? You What, what are you going to do when there isn't any food? And that could happen. It's 500 AD. 
all of a sudden something happened on this planet. Now, some people thought it was a meteorite hitting the ocean, but we don't seem to find any evidence of a tidal wave that it would have caused. And besides, the, now when they do the ice cores on the big ice packs and they get down to that period, they find acid. There was acid snow, acid rain. And so they know there was something happened. They believe it was volcanic eruptions, more than one. They suspect Krakatoa as one source, but they they just don't know. Probably anybody who was near whatever erupted, they were all dead anyway, so they didn't report it. But why multiple eruptions at one time? What what causes that to happen? Well, what energy levels are rising where all of a sudden volcanoes are going off all over the place? You know, or at least these really volatile volcanoes where they have these vast explosions that shoot uh, sulfuric acid and other chemicals high into the atmosphere that will go all around the Earth for years, blocking out the sun, causing mass starvation, plants dying out because it freezes where it never freezes. You know, all your coconut trees die out all the way down to near the, the equator even. Maybe even you could even actually have an event where they would die out all the way to the equator, and then the only coconut, and as the as this whole uh, scenario pans out, and things start, because you know, the planet's going to try to get back to normal. You have this period of violent events, and it's going to try to get back to normal. But all your coconut trees are going to be little tiny little coconut trees, as along with all the other tropical plants that just can't take freezing. They all die out. Your bananas. Suddenly, you know, how many people eat bananas? How many tons and tons of bananas are coming from the tropical regions all around the world every day? Coconuts. All kinds of tropical fruits. Passion fruits. And uh, what have you. Oranges. Suddenly, you have no summer. Intense winter that reaches way to the southern hemisphere. You know, to the to the equatorial regions, the troposphere, and those plants die out. You know, you can you can get them planted back again. How long can you wait? Today in the world, we have thirty days supply of grain. What happened to all those crops fail for a year? People are going to get hungry. We need to repent. We need to seek that kingdom. Until then. May peace be upon your house and may God be with you. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.
Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. We were talking about Justina, free Justina, which is this girl who was captured by children's services in Massachusetts and taken from her parents and kept prisoner. And I use these terms, kidnap, prisoner, because that's, that's really what's happening. She's been kidnapped and made a prisoner by the government, by the bureaucracies of government, by individuals in the government. Because they think they know what's best. And they've decided that they're right. And to decide that they're wrong, that's just out of the question. They just cannot see deciding that they're wrong. They don't want to see that they may be wrong. They may be incorrect. They don't want to see that. You had that problem with something. Something you're wrong about. You don't want to admit it. It's hard to admit that you're wrong. A lot of people think I always, they say, you always think you're right. And I understand that. But I, you know, why I have the opinions that I have today, why I believe what I believe today, is because I was admitting to myself and to others that I was wrong. And my opinions changed. If you're not humble enough to admit when you're wrong, when you're incorrect, you can't get any better ideas. You can't grow. You can't become wiser, more intelligent, more righteous. When Jesus said, repent, turn around, that's what that means, turn around. Do something different than what you were doing before. Where are you putting your faith? Now, this family, and I don't want to pick on them. They just happen to be in the news. They put their faith in doctors. I know they did. Does that mean they shouldn't go to doctors? Well, maybe they needed to. Maybe they had a physical problem that could only be fixed by surgery because they had no power to do it in any other way. I believe that they could have fixed it otherwise, but you can't just say you should, you know, pray harder they may need to go to that doctor that may be where God wants them to go to that doctor because they're going to learn something I think God God didn't want their daughter to be captured by the state of Massachusetts and put to this torture but they maybe needed to go through that in order to become stronger people more righteous people I think the father had a temper problem. I think he would admit that. I don't have him here, so I have to talk about this from a speculative sort of being. If he was here, I would say, you have a temper problem, don't you? And I'll lay you odds he'd admit it. But after a year, he's learning to not lose his temper. It's still affecting his perception. Because deep down, he's still getting angry. But he's coming face to face with it and he's forced to come face to face with it because of the iniquities of Massachusetts. Now, I've said in the previous program that if you go into this in depth and you look at all the stories surrounding DCF, 
in Massachusetts and the head of DCF in Massachusetts, there's a great many politicians. And to get a politician to stand up for what's right, you've got to be really bad. They want to get rid of them, but the governor is keeping that individual in power. But what I'm saying to you is your whole mindset has created a situation where agencies such as DCF has too much power. You don't have the power anymore. You've given it to somebody else. And with that, you don't have the courage anymore. You you have put faith in your armor, your cleverness, your swords, your institutions. And you have to be careful of that. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't go to the doctor. and It doesn't mean you don't hire a lawyer from time to time. You might have to. God may lead you to do that. I don't know. You see, I can't make up rules that is going to run everybody else's life and say, oh, you can never hire a lawyer. Oh, you can never hire a doctor. You know, if you want to get a letter across the country, the post office can still do it. Sometimes. <laughs> the point is, is that these are, these are a part of your environment, but it has to do with intent. Intent makes the crime. Intent determines the spiritual energy that is going to walk into a situation with you. So what's your intent? Is your intent to be humble? Is your intent to trust in the spiritual righteousness of God? By being righteous with everybody? Are we supposed to be angry at DCF? Are we supposed to go in there and call them names? They are victims. Those tyrants that steal children away from weak women and men and families that are having trauma already so that they can terminate parental rights and get another, whatever it is, $80,000, whatever they get from the federal government when they terminate parental rights. It's just unbelievable, the stories. You can fill every paper every week with stories of atrocities coming out of children's services. And the people in children's services that are halfway decent, they turn a blind eye to it time and time again. In hospitals, you know, had an incident. Somebody I knew had to go into a hospital and had a baby delivered. And they were they were going to try to have home delivery and they ended up ended up in a hospital because there were complications and they were willing to go. It ended up being kind of a last-minute thing. And the doctor who delivered the baby did a great job. Great doctor. I know other children delivered by him later on. And you could, you, when you sit down, or like I can, I don't know about you can, because I don't know what God you serve, but the God I serve, when I sat down with that guy, I could see the kingdom tracks in him. Or I just see, talk to him and look into his eye, I could see him. But there were other doctors in the hospital who wielded power in their division, their department. And they were evil men. Men who sought power, loved power, lived to exercise power, didn't care who they hurt. They served demonic creatures. That's the kind of men they were. They, they had a degree, but they don't check for that at medical college, whether you are dealing with demons moving from a demonic ambition. They don't they don't see that. They don't guard for that. And this guy 
had demonic connections. I've seen it in judges as well. Men who seek power, they're very often connected to the demonic side of what we call hell. The darker region, the dark side of the force. <laughs> you know, they are connected to that. And you can see it in them if you have eyes to see. But do you have the power to deal with the power that's in them? The evil power that's in them? What What do you use to repulse evil? Close your eyes, pray, or open your eyes and see. You want to get rid of cockroaches? You don't adjust your eyes to the dark. You turn on the light. They hate the light. You see. Now, what turns off the light quicker than anything? Causes that bulb to burn out. Anger and judgment. So when you see evil in other men, you have to see it without judgment. You leave the judgment to God. And now you're going to have spiritual armor that other people won't have. And you'll walk in there and the evil will come and want to take your child and take your daughter, take your granddaughter. They'll want to take them. They'll want to put them through torture, just like they did during the Spanish Inquisition. But they'll do it with, you know, people with white gowns and and blue gloves. They'll want to fondle and torture your child. You, you can get this in other agencies, too. It doesn't have to be a medical environment. <laughs> and uh, And put their spirit in that child. Do you ever see a hypnotist work? I mean, do you really know how hypnotism works? It's amazing. You know, just a little touching and words and pushing and pulling back. And before you know it, you have that person in your power. That goes on every day in schools and 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 meetings with psychologists and and when you go to the airport and it's hypnosis. And those of you who do not want to be hypnotized, who resist the power of the hypnotist, resist the power of the manipulator, the puppet masters, you're in danger. I don't know if you expected me to say that, but those of you who want to resist the evil puppet masters, you're in danger. Because... Your desire to resist is your desire to judge. You know, resist not evil. What is he talking about? Of course we have to resist evil, right? No. You don't understand what he's saying. You aren't to resist evil. You aren't to judge it, pass judgment on it, hate it. You are to love righteousness. I want you to think about this. Resist not evil. What does that mean? It means you resist not evil. Repent and turn towards the light, towards righteousness. Moses said, give drink to thy enemy. Mem, water, flow. Flow of what? Those of you who listen enough know what I'm talking about. Mem, giving, charity, love. Mem. Jesus says, love thy enemy. Why? Because you're going to give him kisses on the cheek and hug him? No. It will be like hot coals on his head. I tell you, when the evil comes in these places, if you don't stay rooted in the Holy Spirit, you have no armor. You have no protection. 
You can rant and rave. They're stealing my daughter. They're going to steal your daughter anyway. You don't have the power of God. If you have the power of God, because you have stepped back from being God, you have taken a humble position under God, other people will think, oh, he, he was just walking around like he was in charge. He didn't seem humble. But he didn't seem like he was ranting and raving either. It was interesting thing that, that this doctor that was from the dark side in this other department who wanted control over the child in this one situation and got some control over the child. None of the nurses like him. They think he's a bad guy. They think he's a bad doctor. He's the head of his department. But they don't like him. But they won't speak out against him because they like their jobs. They don't know how to speak out against them. I tell you, if you were a nurse and had the Holy Spirit with you, He wouldn't like to be around you. If you had repented and let God into your heart for real, not just, you know, an opinion of Christ, like you get from your local church, but I'm talking about the real God, those evil guys, you know they're evil. You know it. All the other nurses knew that this guy was a bad guy. He would have no power. He would leave the hospital. He would find another job. He couldn't stand being around you. Every time you walked in the room, he might try to get rid of you, but it wouldn't work if God didn't want you to go somewhere else. If you really walked in the Spirit, People always say, you know, come out of them, my people, lest you be partakers of their sins. What does that mean? I mean, get rid of your ID? No. Get rid of the spirit of evil that is in you that says you're God and you can resist evil by your own power. That you can choose what is good and evil by your own knowledge. It's all vanity. When you really submit to God, pay homage to God, worship the God, not your idea of God, but the God, and you walk into those places where those evil men have power, they have no more power. I don't care if it's a courtroom or a hospital. You will have the power with you. You won't have the power. You will have the power with you. And they will have no power. Unless God wanted them to have power for a moment to bring about a set of events that would allow righteousness to take place. You have to be Christ's pawn. Right now, you're the pawn of the world. And now you have some rebellious pawns out there who think that they're going to make things right, but they actually carry with them the spirit of evil. And we'll cover this in the conversations with Moshe. You need to repent. What does repentance look like? It doesn't look like what you're doing. Because you wouldn't be praying to men who exercise authority for your benefits as if they were your benefactors. You would be gathering together in free assemblies to help take care of somebody else besides yourself because you would love your neighbor as yourself. And so therefore you could not want to do anything else but gather together. 
Somebody mentioned that our retreat. Now, we have a retreat coming up in Missouri in the spring. We have retreats coming up here. Festivals, whatever you want to call them. Burning Bush Festival. You can go to burningbushfestival.org hear about that. And I think they'll also tell you there about the Missouri Festival. And if we don't have that up there, whoever's in charge should put it up there <laughs> so that they know that that's the next big event coming up in Missouri. And it's a kind of a camping event. And there's other facilities around where you can stay in motels if you don't want to do the camping. But when they they gather, the kids all just gather together. They start interacting right away. The adults are a little bit more hesitant. It's like the festivals of ancient Israel. That's what it, that's what purpose they're supposed to be serving. But in order for that purpose to get deeper than your average Sunday church or Sabbath church, you have to actually be doing what those Israelites were doing, which was taking care of the welfare of their society, the specific individual welfare of their society through faith, open charity. You have to be doing that. And your ministers that come together will be the ministers who you go to in that day of calamity when your family, when your daughter is taken at a hospital. When you're, uh, I just heard about a woman who got arrested by a policeman and put in jail overnight because she notified him that she was actually recording the the stop. He pulled her over for a traffic stop, and he was recording her. He said, by the way, I'm recording you, after they had already been talking a little bit. You know, just probably your phone. You know, you can just push that thing on your phone if you have it set up, and you can record the conversation. And she started doing it because she's got this traffic stop. It was a minor little... She was in the wrong lane, evidently, or something. She ended up in jail. He ended up grabbing her physically. And, and you know, nice young lady, throwing her in jail overnight. All the tra- charges were dropped. But, you know, folks, that's wrongful imprisonment. He is usurping beyond his right by trumping up false charges and throwing her in jail. This happens all the time. All the time. Every day, I bet you it happens somewhere. You just don't know about it because you didn't watch it on Fox News. When it gets really outrageous and there happens to be a cameraman around and, and they needed something to fill the news story, you, then you hear about it. But then you just see it as a blink on your Facebook page and then you don't do anything about it. You don't even know her. So why would you do anything about it? I mean, you don't even know where she was when she was in jail. And she's out of jail now, so, you know. But what are you going to do when you're in jail? When your wife is in jail? When your daughter's in jail? When you go to prison for refusing a vaccination? When they grab you off the street and put you in a work camp? You think that's not going to happen? That's the law. They can do that now. Do you think it's not going to happen? All you need is a volcanic eruption in the South Pacific and suddenly you don't have... There's going to be food shortages in America. Food shortages in America. Food shortages in America. What are you going to do? Because you already have a machine in place to exercise authority one over the other that is not benevolent and does not like to admit that it's wrong and that it's making a mistake. And does not like it when you challenge its authority. And you think, well, I'll just get angrier than them. 
I'll just shake my fist. I'll just go get a bigger gun. You've already lost the battle. And the battle is a spiritual battle. You're resisting evil with evil. Guess what? They got more evil than you do. You're not resisting evil with righteousness. You don't even know righteousness. You don't practice righteousness on a day-to-day basis because you don't take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. In the conversations with Moses, we'll see that he's really got the heart of a tyrant. He's got the heart of a rebel. He doesn't have the heart of righteousness. He can't even see what's righteous. He doesn't even know what liberty is. He doesn't understand charity. You know, this is something we're going to have to talk about a lot, is what is charity. Charity isn't just giving to everybody who doesn't have a motorcycle or ran out of cigarettes. I went once and I bummed cigarettes off of somebody else to give to a guy because I gave my word and I didn't keep it because of situation beyond my control. And that's an interesting story. Not because, you know, I actually, me, I actually am going and getting cigarettes for somebody. <laughs> totally against smoking. I'm the guy who says to my kids, if I ever catch you smoking, you better be on fire. And that actually, <laughs> if I catch you chewing, you should have food in your mouth. fact is, I know a few chewers that I'm now related to. And they say it helps them deal with stress. It doesn't. Helps them not deal with stress. That's why you chew. I mean, it's like an alcoholic. I drink because it helps me deal with stress. No, you drink because you don't want to deal with stress. <laughs> That's why you guys elect governments. That it's the same spirit. That's why you guys elect souls and nimrods because you don't want to deal with stress. You want him to deal with stress. And so you give him power to deal with stress. But unfortunately, when you do this, especially in a corporate setting, such as a corporate soul like a king, or a corporation like the United States, where it elects new presidents to its electoral college, or like in England, which has both, corporate soul and and corporation parliament is basically a corporate body as its board of directors, etc., that you elect new board members, and it runs things, and then it also has a corporate soul with a queen. All those are golems. Golems are these clay creatures you create by contract. These monsters that you create by contract. And the more power you give them, the more monstrous they become. And you give them power by your covenants that you make with them to obtain their benefits and their blessings at the expense of your neighbor. Because you don't want to deal with stress. And they help you deal with stress. But you're not dealing with the stress. You're making them deal with it and you give them the power to do it. And before you know it, they're eating you up. You know, the same message I give every time I talk, but I'm showing you this from another point of view. A golem was this, in Hebrew folklore, was this creature that you create out of clay. Now, I'll tell you what that means when we come back. Now, I've talked about it before and some of you have heard this, but I'm going to go on record a little bit more detail this time when we come back from the break. 
to show you that there are golems wandering the lands everywhere. <laughs> Giant monsters golems, Frankenstein monsters. And they're going to devour you unless you have the power to stop them. Okay, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So if you want to be at our Missouri gathering, go to preparingyou.com or His Holy Church and look up events. But Preparing You is going to be more up to date because everybody can work on that, everybody in the network. And HisHolyChurch.org is just going to point you to some of those places. But But join the Living Network. By going to thelivingnetwork.org, thelivingnetwork.org, or preparing you and click on the network tab and join that network in your area and ask them. Find out about them. Freely assemble because, I mean, who are you going to call on? We're going to be the Ghostbusters you're going to need to call on because we're going to break the spirit of evil by repenting and turning towards the spirit of righteousness which is Christ's plan. It doesn't mean join another church. It doesn't mean to develop another doctrine, man-made doctrine. It means to conform to Christ. What's happened, though, is what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loosed in heaven, and you've bound yourself on earth. And you're not loose. And so I was talking about golems, G-O-L-E-M. And you can look this up. I mean, it's on Wikipedia. It's around... And it was this folklore where they could supposedly create this monster out of clay. And really, this story, actually, if you trace it back in history, the concept of the story, it goes back clean to Babylon. And, you know, when they've excavated Ur and places like that, they find these clay tablets everywhere with writing on them. They covered everything from marriage contracts to business agreements to what have you. And they would, they would etch them. They had that form of writing that lended itself to etching into clay because of the fact that it was these marks at angles and everything. It's kind of a code. And those clay tablets would be baked and then deposited and that would be the contract that created this institution or agreement or contract. Contract makes the law. And so those clay tablets that created an institution were the golem. That's the, that's the monster. The institution is the monster. You know, they make the movie where they actually make a big monster out of clay and he walks around and he picks up people and that's just the symbol. This is the, this is the story of Frankenstein. Frankenstein was the doctor who brought something to live by taking parts and flesh from other people and made a monster. And there's a touch of reality into that. Because that's what you do. That's what a corporation is. A corporation is two or more people gathered together as if they're one person. That's what Frankenstein monster is. (laughs) Two or more people gathered together as if it is one person. (laughs) That's Frankenstein monster. That's the corporation. That's Gollum. G-O-L-E-M. Do you think it's a coincidence that you have 
Gollum in the Lord of the Rings. He's created life by some other influence getting in him and making him something different than what he was. And you do that. Now, how do you, how do you give life to a golem, this clay monster, in the tradition of Brothers Grimm and, you know, Polish tales? You can take a piece of paper and you write the word Emmet on it. And that's the Hebrew word for truth. And you put it in his mouth. You take an oath, swearing that this is the truth. And now you're a part of the golem. You're one of the beasties. You know, one of the, the terror creatures you see in modern movies is is this monster that is actually composed of like roaches or, or bugs or flies or something. And they all come together and they form this body that looks like a human. And, you know, when the, the good guy shoots it, the bullets just go through and it's still alive. And it's composed of all these other living creatures, you know. That's one of the scary things when I was a little kid. I saw a tarantula walking across the road down there in Houston, Texas. And it was this big, huge, hairy tarantula standing and walking. And, and we were on our way to school. Not a public school, but on our way to school. And I picked up a board and I threw it at it. And it hit it, right? You know, this the end of the board hit it. And when it did, it exploded into like... You know, it wasn't thousands, but it might as well have been in my imagination. Thousands of little tiny spiders running out in every direction. (laughs) And that was scary. This giant spider turned into thousands of spiders. And I mean, that's the absolutely terrible image in horror. What was happening was the tarantulas will carry all their babies on their back, and that's why it looks so big. It was actually just baby tarantulas on it. And when I hit it and killed the mother tarantula, all the babies just ran in every direction. But I I was unaware that I was going to have that visual image. And still to this day, half a century later or more, <laughs> it's still very vivid in my mind as one of those scary moments, you know, enough to creep you out and create a phobia about spiders but that's one of the images well now let's equate that to where you're at right now you're one of those little spiders with the character of the beast riding on the back of the beast and all around the beast and walking on its legs and and you're the offspring of the beast because you have lived according to the nature of the beast in your social estate If someone were to kill the beast in an instant, all those little beasties would run in every direction. Total chaos. Someone running towards me. (laughs) It was the two or three of us there at the time. And when that picture, we all were just like totally creeped out, went running down the street. (laughs) I was very little, very little. I was only 18. No. I was like eight. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was kind of a creepy sight. But that's where you're at. People they want to overthrow the government. That's scary. Because all you beasties will still be there. Millions of beasties in America. And shortage of food and water. And, and the beast is gone. Nothing to control them. And everybody being little beasties. Robbing and pillaging and murdering and raping. Because you all have the character of the beast. Now, if you want to come out of her, you have to change your ways. And you can't do that. 
You have to head back to your father's house and be changed. You have to actually start loving your neighbor as yourself, including your neighbors who work for DCF (laughs) or whatever agency, whatever alphabetical agency they work for. You have to love them, not judge them. Realize that they're a victim of your sloth. They have been given power and they become drunk on power. You're going to have to start dealing with the stress instead of hiding from it. And that means when somebody in your congregation is in need, you be there for them. If nobody in your congregation is in need, great. Now everything that you would have given to them, you can give to your minister and he will pass it on to somewhere else in a network of congregations where it can do good. And what you're doing is creating the mem, the circulation of righteousness. You're beginning to take care of the specific welfare of the needy. Not just those needy who can scratch your back, but needy a thousand miles away. The needy who haven't yet even come to the network. If you're not doing that, don't expect any help from God because you have abandoned the ways of God. Now, how do you kill a golem? The, the, the word emmet that we see as truth, it's one of those three-letter words. All, all Most Hebrew words are three letters, and they're actually all three-letter bases. We create letters by, you know, words by taking away a letter and adding a letter of meaning. But the word truth is a pretty fundamental word, and it's three letters long. And it's composed of elef, mem, top. Elef, mem, Tav. And that uh, Tav is faith. Mem is flow. Again, that charity, that flow. But if you take away the Elif, you now you have a new word. It's a two-letter word. It's Mem and Tav. The Elif. What is the Elif? The Elif is actually a letter composed of letters. It's composed of two Yads and a Vav. Now, it's different in different you know, Paleo-Hebrew and stuff, but basically in dealing with this Hebrew, that's what you would see, is two yods and a vav. Vav is a connecting letter. And if you want to see a painting of the Elif, is it Michelangelo's painting where it shows God reaching out his hand and then man reaching out his hand towards God and they're both reaching their fingers towards each other to touch? That's the Elif. Yad, God. Yad, man. Made in the image of God. Connected. Take that out of the equation of truth. The truth that has given life to the golem. And the golem dies. What you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you have bound on earth is you. In the corporate golem of the world. You have become a corporate corpuscle of the beast. But it isn't enough to take you out of the beast unless your spirit changes to a true Elif, God and man connected. Not just in the physical form, but in the spiritual form. In other words, you have to begin to act with the character 
of God. In the name of God. The name. Somebody wrote me a big thing. Sent it to me on Facebook. I'm not even sure how all that works. I hardly get on Facebook. But I saw the notice. And it was this whole thing on the true name of God. Yahweh, Yadavai, Yah, you know, whatever. Yeshua, not Jesus, all the stuff. The true name. We get the letters right and we got the name right. That's idolatry. The name of God is the character of God. The letters just supposedly represent that character. They they identify. There's a way in which to identify it. I can guarantee if you went through God's pockets, you would not find an identification card with His name on it. <laughs> it just wouldn't be there. I, I'm, I'm, that's my opinion. <laughs> it's also my belief. Because His name is not a name of letters. It's the character of His being. I am that I am. Like Popeye. I am what I am. The Eleph is when you put on the character of God. When you allow God to write upon your heart and upon your mind. And God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that you might be saved. Might be, might be saved. But unless you put on the character of Christ, you ain't saved. You can go worship the image of Christ which you have created in your mind and imagine that you're saved. But if you do that, you're going to find yourself in the bondage of Egypt because you're not dealing with stress. You're having somebody else do it. (laughs) And you will become drunk on the benefits so that you will not want to admit that you have gone the wrong way and you will continue to go the wrong way. And somebody will come along and take your daughter from you and torture her, her right in front of your eyes and you will not have the power to do anything about it until you begin to repent. But you have to really repent in order to get the power of God because you can't fool God. Now, we we talked about this free Justina and you can read more about that and see more about that by going to preparingyou.com and looking up free Justina in the search engine up there and it'll open up, a, you'll come to an article on that and it has links to a lot of the other articles and pictures and videos and what have you and you can find out but the reason I bring this up is because I love your daughters as much as I love Justina and all the other daughters and your sons and your sons' sons yet unborn and I know that their only salvation is to return to the ways of Christ and the ways of Christ are not covetous ways They are not ways of force. They are ways of love and charity. And unless you help others live by charity, you will not be able to live by charity. Unless you give, you will not be given to. Unless you forgive, you will not be forgiven. And although you might have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, you will not be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because you have not done things in His name according to his character he came and gave up his life you won't even give up a tithing to men you choose who are actually providing the social welfare of society in a way that strengthens society which is the mission of the church to feed his sheep 
You know, if you overfeed the sheep and make them fat at the time of breeding, they will not breed. They will not breed well. They will not have twins. They will have all kinds of problems because you've overfed them. You've made them lazy. Right now, if I took you out in the barn, it's so, it's overflowing with lambs. <laughs> we got lambs in the field right now before I started the radio show. <laughs> twins. Why? Because I feed the church's sheep cheesecake? <laughs> no. Because I, I know what they need. And they need exercise. They need effort. They need to seek and find. So therefore, you don't need cheesecake either. You need to deal with the stress of life and stop hiding from it behind your drugs and your, your alcohol and your, and your benefits and your entitlements. You need to repent. You need to create a relationship between you and God that is based on faith, that is separate from the truth that has given life to the golem. You gave life to the golem. You, your fathers, and your fathers before you have given life to the monsters of the world because you wanted them to go about and do your bidding for you. So you put a portion of your right to choose in them. And they've become monsters and beasts. If you want to kill them, you have to develop that relationship between you and God by starting to live by faith, hope, and charity in free assemblies. You are allowed to do that. It's getting harder, but you are allowed to do that. And this is what the early church was doing. This is what Israel was doing while they were still in Egypt. And this will make the Word of God to effect and bring the power of God. This will kill the golem. You can stab it with a sword. You can shoot it with an AK-47. And that bullets just go right into the clay. <laughs> they don't kill it. They absorb it. They will use it. That energy against you. But if you return to your father's house and develop that relationship between you and God by becoming that individual who casts his bread upon the waters, who sacrifices his life because he cares about his neighbor and his neighbor's children and his neighbor's children's children as much as he cares about himself. So every time you gather together in a congregation, a free assembly, whether somebody has a need or not, you will give blood so that you may have blood more abundant. And you will give it to the men, you will take the responsibility to give it to the men of your choice and watch to see that they use it wisely to strengthen the poor, if not in your network, in the next network. You know, in the net, other parts of the network of congregations of congregations of congregations. This is how free societies are formed. But you don't know how to do that. You, you're not practiced in the ways of righteousness. And so they come and they take your daughters and they take your sons and they make their instruments of war. Going back to the Constitution will not save you. Getting some other leader to be elected as head of the Golem will not save you. Re seeking righteousness in all your benefactions 
to become the benefactors of society who don't exercise authority will not only give you the physical instrument by which to survive when the golem dies, but it will give you now the spiritual armor so that you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and you don't have to fear any evil because you will not enter the abode of evil alone. If you get angry, if you get impatient, if they make you mad, you've already lost. If you are driven by a sense of hating unrighteousness rather than loving righteousness, you've lost already. You need to repent of that and gather together and one way to do that is to, you know, go help out Justina. But don't take too much pride in that. If you don't gather together with others in preparation for your day of calamity, what are you going to do? How will you be safe? How will your children be safe? Because you really can't think about yourself more than your children. And you can't think about your children more than you do your neighbor's children. So you have to realize that in the cause of righteousness in life, you must be a giver of life. You must be a giver to receive. It's bad enough that you have made covenants with them that do not believe in the ways of liberty, the ways of God. But now, how will you be free? By restoring that relationship between you and God, by becoming like Christ, that you come to sacrifice yourself. So anyway, you've conjured up the beast, you've fed the beast, you've become a part of the beast. Now you have to repent. And you you will have no alternative to repent. I just pulled up Golem at Wikipedia. They got all kinds of pictures of Golems. It's the ultimate Frankenstein monster. It is the ultimate beast. And you've created it. You and the other six, seven billion people on the face of the earth. It's time to repent. It's time to go the other way. To operate according to the ways of righteousness. So, go join the Living Network. Go to preparingyou.com Join the network there. In your area, start to meet with other people. And start becoming the Assembly of God. The real assembly of God, not the, not the church. Till then, may peace be upon your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.